0: Oh, and thank you for joining Don Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for APACN, and we are here today to talk about a few things that a seasoned director of nursing knows today but wishes she knew way back when she first started. So, I'm here today with Betsy Hardy, Director of Nursing at Julia Temple Healthcare Center in Englewood, Colorado. Betsy has graciously taken the time from her busy day to share her thoughts on this topic. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. Let's get started. Can you share with our audience how long you have been working in long term care and how long you've been a Director
1: of Nursing? I have been in long term care for 11 years, and out of those 11 years, I have been a director of nursing for nine. The two years that I first started in long term care, I started off as an SDC. I ended up taking over the role of human resources in one building. I became an MDS coordinator and the ADON before I took on the role of director of nursing.
0: Wow, that's great. Nine years, my goodness. What makes that role of the DON job, what makes it so rewarding
1: for you? You know, it's an incredibly hard job on a daily basis, and it's so fluid and changing that it's awful hard to ever get bored because you never have the same day. And I think you get to see the results of the effort that you put into it. And I think that's where I love the staff. I love seeing them grow. I love the educational piece that gets to go along with the director of nursing. And I think, you know, getting to see that whole picture of things when they come together and you have a working team and you understand the regulations and you can make it through surveys as that good team that's the reward that I get by being a DON. And I again, I really do love the staff and the nurses and the residents. So that also makes it very rewarding.
0: Oh, that's great. I can remember being a DON as well. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Bringing a team together, building a team up, and then watching how that great team can work to make the resident outcome so much better. It's why I did it as well. Let's jump in and get to the heart of what we're going to talk about today. And that is, share with our listeners, what information do you have? What knowledge do you have today that you wish you had when you were a brand new DON starting out?
1: You know, when I was a brand new DON starting out, I thought I had to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if people offered help, I always felt like, no, you know, I need to learn, I need to learn how to do it. And I, I need to do it myself. And I also had this understanding that things had to happen very fast. So, you know, instead of giving things time to move through the system appropriately, I probably rushed a few things. And and again, probably rushed staff faster into making changes than they were fully educated or prepared for. So, I slowly learned that the more eyes that you can put on something, the more help you can get, that you don't have to reinvent the wheel for every single thing out there. People have done this for a while, and the more resources that you can access, and I think that's what I didn't know or didn't understand was the resources that are truly out there to help you, because sometimes you feel so alone as a DON, and I think that's where I just really... Didn't know where to go looking. I didn't know that it was okay to have people come in and help. And even if, you know, they found something wrong, it wasn't a reflection of you not doing your job, that it was okay to have them come in and put eyes and together you guys fix those solutions rather than trying to take it on myself and make it happen fast.
0: I love that because when I was a new DON, I really struggled with delegation. And so I want to touch on two things that you just said. Number one is delegating. Can you share with our listeners how you got over that? Because I always found that it's really difficult to delegate when you're thinking, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'll just do it myself. How do you get over that and actually delegate tasks to other people?
1: You know, A lot of good leadership training, I think, is the answer to that, Amy. I learned that instead of calling it delegating work, I empowered people to do their job that, you know, Mm -hmm. if it was easier for me to take it over and do it, then they let me do it. And so, you know, someone told me that nursing needs to stay in nursing and dietary needs to stay in dietary and social services and nurses do not need to be in all of those roles and trying to fix those departments. And so once I was able to step back and say, yes, I need to let people do their job, and if they succeed, that's wonderful. If they fail, that's okay, too, because then we recognize the system failures and not the person failures, and we can fix the systems. And so I would tell you that is where delegation comes in more than just kind of handing off that job, but saying, you know, they really have... A job to do. We need to be accountable. We need to empower them to do that job to the best of their ability. And then if they can't do that job, we either need to find out again, why is it a system reason that they can't do it? Or do we need to find somebody else to maybe fill that role? And so I think that is what I learned. And it made things so much easier for me to empower people to do what needed to get done rather than me saying, I'll just do it.
0: That's great. That's great. I love it. One other thing you mentioned is resources. And, you know, I get a lot of questions from brand new DONs. And it's either they're saying, I have so many resources, but I don't know which resources are the ones I need. Or they say, I have no resources and don't know where to go to get my resources. So when you think about resources, what suggestions do you have for our listeners on getting resources, and
1: what's the most important when you're new? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I, I think the most important thing is is again I love ADNS because it's a place where I can go you know, it was really important to me when we you know, started talking about the AADNS and, and, and developing it was to have some place where I could just go find answers to sometimes simple questions that I, you know, you just didn't want to bother a resource or if you didn't have a resource available that you could do that. Because sometimes you don't want to ask that question that you think is stupid. Not everybody would think that way, but I think that's the way you feel sometimes in that new role. I also think that You've got to look at the operating manual. You've got to look at your Chapter 5 regs. I think those are really good places to start with just knowledge and information about the regulatory environment. And again, you know, AADNS has that as well and can certainly interpret some of that. And then determine who in your community are your resources. I think the ombudsman is somebody we always You know, everybody told me originally, oh, the ombudsman is bad. The ombudsman has a lot of really good resources and information that they will work with you. I even think your state surveyors, you know, if you have questions, there's a number to call and get those answers. So I think it's just learning that it's okay to reach out to people and say, I don't know. And I think that was something I struggled with, too. I didn't want to say I didn't know because I thought, oh, that means the surveyors are going to come in and they're going to tag me. And I think that's part of that, being able to say, hey, I'm going to ask the right question, you know, or maybe even the wrong question and get someone to give me those answers. And they seem to be able to direct you in a lot of good resources that are out there for you to review, you know, then. And then the resources that you have available to your company, you know, our pharmacist can come in the building and help you. And that's really helpful. If you have any clinical resources, if you can do mock surveys, if you can do, have them put eyes on any system that they can take a look at that you don't have the ability to do right away. Again, I just learned that the more people looking, the better it is for you. You know, it's not so stressful and so much work. So those are some really good resource places to start. Oh, that's great.
0: I agree. I tell people, you know, have some working knowledge of how to find information in the state operations manual appendix PP and this other thing I mentioned to them is to do some networking and find a DON or another nurse leader that they can go to when things get tough because your family's never going to really understand what it's like, but another DON will. Uh, moving along, what other helpful pieces of knowledge do you think are important for brand new DNS?
1: You know, I think some of important information that I would love to pass on again is that everything doesn't need to be done in a very quick time frame. I have moved to the saying of six months. Like in six months, if I move and we improve one system, then it's been a success. And then we move to the next one. Or sometimes when you get to see that, you know, you have crisis and then you can move to where that crisis is no longer a crisis and then you find the next one and you deal with that. And you just do it slowly and patiently. You put all of the pieces together and educate. And you know pretty soon you're going and you can look at something that you never thought you were going to get a chance to do but six months down the road because all the other things that you've taken your time with and not rushed really pays off and it pays in dividends. So if you fix one system but you educate on it, your staff now understands and they may fix some of the other stuff on their own. And again, I think that empowerment of your staff, find those individuals who you can empower, find that individual that you want to be your next one up because I think that's really important for a DON. So even though you're a new DON and you're in that role, you've got to you know, find somebody that is going to be able to take your place when you're ready that you educate and you guys kind of learn together different things. You know, I think that's the most important thing, you know, just slowing everything down and that it doesn't have to be done at warp speed that I think we sometimes get pressured to do. That is
0: really good advice because, yes, I hear a lot of times new people coming in and they think I must fix everything within the first, let's say, even month. And you and I both know that that's not possible and it's okay to stop pick your system that, you know, if there's a system that needs the most attention, start there and work from there at a slower pace so you can have some wins along the way. One of the common things I'm asked by members, or even I read this on social media a lot, is how do I handle that first week in a new facility as a brand new DON? What tips do you have for our
1: listeners? You know, those tips that I have is, to be the observer. And we tend to Mm -hmm. want to run as a don and be the fireman. And I always say, let's step back, take that big picture vision. And so that first week is, to me, a chance where you get to just see how things in the facility are working and who is doing what, how they're working as a team, You know, some things that you can identify as maybe some areas of concern. But I don't think that even in the first week, but I even say even in like the first 30 days, that you don't want to make big changes. You want to take that time to just look at all of the systems, who's doing what piece and what's not getting done and who could be doing that, and then put together a plan that, again, is slow and meticulously thought out, because I think when you go into a new building, the number one concern is, oh my gosh, a new DON is coming in, they're going to change everything, they're going to make our life miserable, they're going to fire people, and they're going to bring in their own team, or this is just a short-term DON who's going to come in and again want a clean house. And so I think that is that thought that if you can go in there and show that that is not what your intention is, that you really Want to learn the team, the team members, how they have functioned and been successful up until this time. I also think that learning how the old DON, good, bad, or indifferent, how they functioned in that facility as well is really important so that you go in there and again, they know there's going to be change, but not rocking the boat. You know, the boat can continue flowing and they can keep rowing. And you can give them some easy changes that you know you want to see done in that first, I even say 30 days, because I just think it takes a little bit longer. And in the first week or two, you're making really big changes. You may not get everybody to buy in and join the team like you need them to. So I learned this by the hard way of going in and making lots of changes in one of my jobs. You know, I went in and we needed to make a lot of changes really fast. And it wasn't necessarily my changes that I wanted to do, but it was a company that had been bought. And so we had to change the computer systems. And we did a lot of changes really fast. And it was very stressful. It was very time consuming. And I will tell you, I probably had half of the nursing staff quit during that time frame. And I looked back and said, you know, if we could have done it just a little bit differently and allowed for the team to catch their breath, understand what was really going on, I think we would have been far more successful. And so I really take that learning experience with me when I go into a new building or anything that I'm doing that is going to require some change.
0: I like that. I like the observing suggestion because you're right. People are very, very afraid. They don't know what to expect. And they're just as afraid, really, as you are. And so build that trust and safety with that new team. I think that's just great. Just to end things out, do you have any other tips or anything else you want to share with our listeners today?
1: You know, I think one of the things is just take time to realize how important the role is as a DON, and then find a way to spend Time each day with your staff, your residents, your teammates, just taking time to enjoy and love being a nurse, even though sometimes we don't get to do that very much as a DON. But I really try just to go hold a hand with the resident and remember why I'm there in some of all of the hecticness that is papers and meetings and everything else that happens with the DON, other than the real reason that you're there. And that is, to just improve the quality of life of the residents, and to have staff love and want to be uh, where they work because they feel empowered and they feel valued, and I think that makes a big difference in my day as to why I can go home smiling and not burned out.
0: That's great, thank you, Betsy, and thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. For more updates on regulation requirements and changes, you can also follow me on Twitter at amys underscore aadns and subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast. You're invited to refresh, renew, and refocus at the APACAN 2021 virtual conference this April 14th and 15th and April 21st and 22nd. Get ready for the new year and entirely new type of virtual event. Registration is now open. Members of ANAC, AADNS, and APACN save 50%. Learn more and register today at aapacn.org.